I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Stephanie Valores. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Research Director Amy DiMartin and Senior Analyst Abhijit Sunil to discuss the green market revolution and some of our sustainability predictions for 2023. Welcome both. Thanks for having us. Indeed. Thank you. So let's get started on the green market revolution. Amy, you've brought to bear this huge body of research with a team of analysts. Can you start with just a little bit of an overview of this research that is called the green market revolution? Yeah, so first of all, I hate to say this, but ethics have not gotten us where we need to be for those critical changes that we need for the planet and for ourselves. You know, ethics have gotten us here, but we still have the biggest carbon emissions ever. So what is going to drive us forward? What's going to drive us forward is this major opportunity. It is on the order of magnitude of the first and second industrial revolutions. This isn't an evolution. This is a revolution. It touches everything we as humans do, whether it's what we eat, how we build things, how we cool things, how we plug in, how we travel or not travel, for example. We've already seen governments across the globe seed the green market revolution with new money out there for incentives, for changes to the market. So, and, and the war in Ukraine, unfortunately, had kind of a double-edged sword. We had you know, high energy prices, but also we have a renewed interest and commitment to moving to more renewable energy. So hopefully between all of these things, the government spending, the changes that we have to make, we're going to see a flip happen where companies will start taking advantage of this massive opportunity. And Amy, when we talk about the government spending, I mean, just to put it in perspective, how much money are we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about, um, you know, when we were looking at this, we sort of laughed because when we started to look at billions, it felt small. Um, but <laughs> we're talking about $1.4 trillion. Now, that's just for U.S. and EU government spending. There are other governments across the globe, like I mentioned, that are also contributing to this. But, you know, on the order of $4.1 trillion is a lot. Now, that does not include the incentives that the governments included, too, which organizations like Credit Suisse have, have estimated at $800 billion if consumers really take advantage of it like they predict. So, but just the committed money, $1.4 trillion. And then there's also a bucket that's from green finance and venture capital that's taken off because i think i don't know if it was about 10 years ago but the the vc market for green tech had collapsed but now it seems that it's back with a vengeance oh it's back in a big way um it's currently at 17.5 billion now that's just for green tech and venture capital funding and we narrowed it down extremely narrowly to only things that we could trace back to things like um, green funding, uh, green loans, those kinds of things. It, it's very limited in terms of only green tech venture capital. Okay. So it's a, it's a very conservative estimate. It really is very conservative. Okay. Makes sense. So, I mean, I like that. I like the way you termed it seeding. So the governments around the world are seeding the green market with trillions of dollars. Um, what's, what's the role in 
in this when it comes to consumers and, and clients in the B2B sense? Like, have we seen any significant shifts in buying preferences and their actions related to sustainability? Because it's always been a little bit of a mixed picture there. Yeah. And in the past, we've tracked very heavily sentiment, but actually now we're starting to track actions. So would you buy from brands that, you know, even if you had to pay more, would you pay more for sustainability products, for example? And we are seeing an uptick in those clients, but just a preview, we will be doing a customer segmentation where, you know, because all customers are not the same. And so we've split it into four different groups where we've got active greens. Those are the customers that will prefer to buy them. And actually here in the U.S., they're six point higher than in other region to buy something that's more uh, expensive. But then there's other folks like convenient greens. These are folks that are extremely busy. And so those products have to be convenient for them. They're interested, but it has to be convenient for them to buy it. And then there's dormant greens, ones that have interest, but you really have to coach them into buying it. And then there's non-greens who do not consider environmental sustainability in their purchasing. So that segmentation is fascinating. What percentage of consumers are actually active greens right now? Yeah, so it varies by region. And the EU is ahead of other regions. For example, they're at about 24% with active greens. Here in the US, we're only at about 17%. Has that been growing, the percentage of active greens? Yes, slowly but surely it has been growing. And one thing that was really interesting from the data here in the US is that the baby boomers and older tend to not be environmentally conscious. They don't tend to fall into that active greens bucket. But in the past 12 months, they're the group that's actually increased the most in their interest in environmental sustainability products. So that almost seems like a huge like trifecta, if we will. We've got massive government spending. We've got finance and VC money pouring into this market. And then we have a really notable shift in consumer behavior coming in. I'm curious, Abhijit, we actually had some specific predictions around travel. Was this for consumers or was this also more about organizations themselves and their employees? This was particularly around organization and their employees. The prediction that we made in our uh, inaugural Forester's environmental sustainability predictions was around how uh, at least five Fortune Global 200 firms will announce policies limiting travel for sustainability purposes. Okay, that's interesting. And and in general, have we seen companies even post-pandemic, and you know, it feels like the Roaring 20 was where everybody's eager to see each other in person. Um, Do we get a sense that despite that eagerness, despite that enthusiasm to want to be back in person, that there's a higher bar for business travel? And do we think sustainability is a driver of that or is it more general just cost and not wanting to put people back on the road? Um, That's a great question. So we're seeing clear evidence that although employees are coming back into their workplace to work, Sustainability is a main driver for organizations to right-size how much business travel is going to happen. And this is the essence of the prediction that we made as well about limiting corporate travel. So the pandemic reduced business travels and some firms have taken lessons out of that to put into place processes and tools to enable their workflows 
to work remotely so we feel these lessons will enable organizations to aid less travel particularly in industries where travel is a core part of their business model for example in professional services at the same time there is increased investor scrutiny and fear for negative repercussions if they continue to project their scope 3 emissions of which business travel forms a major part in many industries has to grow after the last couple of years we saw that organizations were very loud in terms of calling out how they were able to reduce their scope 3 emissions over the pandemic so we feel at least five organizations will make clear announcements which will be motivated by sustainability to reduce their travel related emissions yeah it's interesting do you, do you think that they'll also potentially like change the nature of travel itself like for example if you do have to travel then there's this decision point where you make is it better with train as opposed to like flying for example we're already seeing evidence of that which is um which is happening in europe for example with uh, scrutiny on how there should be limited short haul flights and increased preference for organizations to um to to tell their employees to take other modes of travel such as rail which has a lower carbon emission impact per traveler so that trend we definitely see will 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 increase as well so the prediction that we made on limiting travel with will not only encompass overall limits on how much travel that will occur but will also cover how employees will travel and policies that organizations will bring forth so as to optimize how much carbon emissions each employee puts out as part of business travel and commuting But these are real changes that we predict organizations are making, right? So this is not just some marketing magic communications like hey, we're taking steps to be more environmentally sustainable as a firm, right? But we do anticipate some greenwashing happening in in 2023. That's been an issue historically. There's been some actual fines delivered on on this topic. So what's going on there because I want to be clear that this is real changes not just like hey we're you know we're trying to be good stewards from a communications perspective. Yeah, I really think greenwashing in general is going to come to a head. So first of all, we've got CMOs, they are doubling down on sustainability. We've got 76% who noted that green initiatives are among their top five priorities. At the same time, uh we found uh that in 2021 in the EU, half of the green claims actually lacked evidence. We've already started to see fines roll in. For example, Walmart and Kohl's, they got fined 5.5 million. Keurig Canada got hit with 3 million dollars in fines. Um so we're starting to see a lot of organizations, regulated regulators coming in and really saying, "Okay, we're done with the greenwashing." And we expect this to continue going forward. Absolutely. So a prediction that we made as part of our uh, uh five 
predictions for next year was that at least 10 companies will incur $5 million or more in greenwashing fines. So there are, as Sammy mentioned, uh, there is pressure from consumers, watchdogs, and um, regulators, and all this will continue over the next years, in fact. And uh, we'll see some um, strong actions and scrutiny over the next year for companies, especially who are overstating their uh, sustainability claims and uh, stating claims without enough evidence. Yeah, the, the greenwashing is kind of fascinating because it seems that companies recognize the green market, right? So they recognize two aspects of it. They're recognizing that there is a huge shift in consumer demand and preferences and their actual buying behavior. They're starting to actually vote with their wallets. And then at the same time, they also recognize that there is this revolution underway. There is going to be a massive transformation of our economy. So it's almost like they just want to cheat. Instead of actually creating new green products and services to serve a new market, like truly coming out with new products, they just want to cheat and say that they're greenwashing. Very true. In fact, we at Forrester published the maturity that we observe in the marketplace at this time. And we said there that organizations typically started their sustainability maturity journey by being compliant to regulations around them, to investor uh, pressure and uh, other forces around them. But like you observed, many organizations want to take a shortcut, want to be part of that conversation to create a market differentiation among their peers, to talk to the uh, their customers around what they uh, what they want to hear without really taking strong actions in the back end and that's where we are seeing the majority of them getting into trouble it, it's interesting what you said about companies taking really tangible steps if we go back to the travel prediction for a moment that's an example of companies reducing their their carbon footprint reducing their emissions i'm also curious though is there also true market opportunities in there, not just reduction of carbon footprint, but real market opportunities. You know, I know there's a ton of interests as well as controversy around, for example, like green hydrogen is actually a replacement fuel in air travel. Um, There's also, I've seen startups for electric airplanes, which, you know, would never replace anything long haul, but could be fantastic options for anything short um, electric ferries, you name it. So I'm curious about the actual market opportunities within travel. It's very interesting. The International Energy Agency had said that the majority of technology innovations that we need to keep global warming under 1.5 degrees Celsius are still at its infancy. So there is a lot of potential for technology innovation and there's tremendous potential, particularly in travel and scope three emissions reduction. Um, Like you pointed out, there is research around uh, green fuel, um, research around uh, hydrogen and uh, electrifying uh, transportation overall, but also also potentially exploring electrifying air travel and other means of uh, travel like rail and and, and fully electrifying Uh, ships. But there are significant challenges here. And uh, one big challenge is energy storage itself. Uh, If we electrify an entire cargo ship, the ship would have to carry a battery the size of the cargo 
payload itself. So there wouldn't be any more space for the cargo ship to carry any cargo. So there are challenges like that we are still working against and batteries are a bit big bottleneck here at this time. And it's it's batteries as a whole, right? So it's for, I mean, you mentioned shipping, but it's also vehicle. Yeah, everybody is talking about batteries and it's really key to how we get around, but it's also key to things like how we help the energy grid become more efficient. So batteries are needed all over to help fuel the green market revolution. For EV vehicles in particular today, they account for 30 to 40% of the value of an EV. And because they're currently made with scarce materials, the price of these batteries really drive the price of these vehicles. That's true. So we predict that investment firms will spend 20 billion in 2023 to address lithium battery shortcomings. And that's double the approximate investment from the past two years. Directly addressed at need in the marketplace at this time to optimize energy storage. So that's fascinating about batteries. But one thing that strikes me is that, you know, the green market isn't just for companies that are in energy or transportation or in agriculture or making the next um, exciting product like lab-grown meat. Um, I mean, this is going to impact every single company in every industry, right? It's not, it's the, that's the important thing here is it's every company and every organization has to think about what the new market opportunities are going to be. Absolutely. And one of the spaces that the paper goes into is tires and mostly because I'm having a tire moment, but also because they can be terrible for the environment. We use them for a certain amount of time and then they go and they sit in dumps or we throw them in oceans. We do terrible things with tires. And so I really dug into tires into the paper. And what we saw is that it mirrors the market opportunity for everything that we touch, which is that there will be opportunities in three ways. First of all, for adaptation we've got irreversible climate change. So there will need to be products that address that market. We've got environmental sustainability products that we're all familiar with. And then there will be new technologies. So if we just think about tires, we have tires today that address high heat, uh, especially for places like here in the US and the Southwest, there are tires specifically made for high heat so that they don't explode, which is fantastic, but also they help with hydroplaning because typically either it's really hot or rain has come and the ground can't soak it up fast enough. So that's for the adaptation side. There's also tires today made out of biosourced materials, uh, sustainable products, which is great. So that addresses the sustainability market. Then there are new technologies that have to come. So dust, tire dust, is one of the most common microplastic found in oceans today. So there's new technologies afoot that will actually collect the tire dust as we drive along. But also, how do we deal with these tires once we're done with them? We could use them for fuel. We could recycle them. So there's all these markets now around just tires for adaptation, sustainability, and new markets. 
Mm-hmm. And Abhijit, we've been getting nonstop client questions about sustainable tech. Are there areas in tech that are that are really exciting you? Uh, certainly. Technology forms a backbone for almost every industry at this time. So we are seeing innovations, investments, and uh, optimization efforts across the technology stack. Um, an example is the data center and cloud space at this time, uh, who are at the forefront of green energy procurement negotiations, long-term contracts, and uh, funding some of these green energy projects as well. Technology industry is also looking at the end of life cycle management of uh, of devices and infrastructure. Uh, for example, what is the right metrics to measure in the circular economy? How can various industries play a role there? And overall, how can businesses connect efficiency and sustainability? Therefore, uh, making some of the efforts around sustainability and and being more green sustainable within their own organizations. Knowing that there's this massive opportunity that's actually going to unfold over decades, if you were to give advice to businesses today that don't want to be left behind by the green market revolution, what, what would you tell them? My advice would be to start today. You are somewhere, Abhijit mentioned our maturity model. You are somewhere, your company is somewhere on that maturity model. Whether you are just entering the market for compliance reasons, you are looking to transform your business, wherever you are on the continuum, start today. Start thinking about of those three markets, where do you wanna play in? Sustainability, adaptation, new markets. Maybe it's all three. But just know this is a huge opportunity for your company to take advantage of. Fabulous advice. Thank you both so much for joining us today on this incredibly important topic. Thank you. Thanks for having us. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.